1: I'm Patience Adamu,
2: And I'm Curtis Vermont. And this is The Drip, a podcast about political decision-making during a racial revolution.
1: Stay tuned as we analyze Canadian news and Black issues on a weekly basis.
2: And if you like what you hear, remember, subscribe.
1: On this week's episode, we're on episode two of our Municipal Interview Series, where we chat with the leaders or Black representatives of specific cities across Ontario, with the goal of giving them a spotlight, since they have been taking steps to improve the quality of life for Black and racialized people since George Floyd. These cities and towns were chosen with two considerations in mind. One, it was a location where we had a strong listenership. Two, it was a location with a strong demand or potential among millennial homebuyers, especially those of us who are racialized.
2: On this week's episode, we take a look at Ajax, a town established in 1941 in Durham Region in Southern Ontario, just east of the Greater Toronto Area. The 2016 census clocked its population at 119,677, 57% of which are racialized. The biggest racial demographic in Ajax belongs to our South Asian brothers and sisters at 24%, while Black folks take the number two spot at 17%.
1: And from the town named after a successful warship, which I think is Ajax, we welcome Deputy Mayor and Ward II Regional Councillor Sterling Lee to the drip. Sterling first came on our radar at the onset of the racial revolution when he championed the creation of the Anti-Black Racism Congress in the face of pushback from the mayor and some on council in June 2020.
2: He was appointed Ajax Deputy Mayor May 1st and became the regional rep for Durham's Anti-Racism Task Force, May 26. So clearly that was a good month for him.
1: Before being elected regional councillor in 2018, he was a senior advisor to Ajax MP and now government house leader Mark Holland. After leaving university, he worked in business development in the tech industry, first at Rogers for 12 years, then Microsoft for two. But like everyone with a political bug tries to do, Sterling made his way right back to his passion, politics.
2: Sterling's favorite thing about Ajax is that it has some of the best food in the GTA, which is important since he's allergic to bad food like we're allergic to white supremacy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sterling is a graduate of Wilfrid Laurier University, where he majored in English and Poli Sci, and he lives in Ward 2 with his wife and son.
2: Sterling, we've been on your show, Durham Unplugged, on YouTube, so it's a real pleasure to have you on ours. Thanks for joining us. How's it going?
0: Oh my god, guys! Thank you so much for having me. Um, so your your listeners won't know this, but I've been uh, I'm going to say begging. I'm not too. Prepared. I've been begging to get on this thing uh, for I don't know how many episodes. What what, what number are we at? We're at seventy five. Okay, so you know what? Then I made the milestone. Okay, number seventy five. You, you got seventy four. We we've had other politicians. They've been okay, but finally we got we got we got the one at number seventy five. But yeah, I thank you so much for having me. I'm a huge fan. It's it's fantastic to be on and. Um, hopefully I won't, you know, put my foot in my mouth too often today.
2: Uh, I'm sure you won't. What, what did you think of, uh, your, uh, Diwali fireworks last night?
0: So I'm, like, uh, <laughs> that's a bit of a shame point for us. I didn't realize this was a, like, this was a thing that, um, people did was shoot off fireworks because it never happened. So whereas oh. Whoopi was able to get their bylaw in place, uh, Ajax, uh, was not. So oh. I have, oh. I have a motion set for November, to get our fire marshal to look into it, because we have a huge, you know, uh, Hindu uh, contingent within our municipality, so mm. it's something I'll definitely be working on, and hopefully by next Diwali, we'll have the fireworks.
2: Awesome, awesome! I, I I totally didn't know that. I thought I I thought that all of Durham, for some reason, was good to go on. Fireworks.
0: No, it goes by
2: um, each uh, lower tier municipality. Indeed, indeed. Well, we've got plenty to discuss, so why don't we jump right in? Let's do it. To kick us off, we touch on the issue of race. In Durham, like in most diverse regions, hate crimes increased throughout the pandemic. According to Durham Regional Police data, in 2020, the bulk of Durham region's hate crime victims were attacked due to their race or ethnicity. Of the 42 reported attacks, 31 were racially motivated, while 8 were religiously motivated. This is up from 2019, when there were 41 total attacks, 18 of which were racially motivated. It's also worth noting that scholars like Dr. Barbara Perry, director of the Center on Hate, Bias, and Extremism at Ontario Tech University, and analysts like Javed Akbar, director of media relations at Durham Muslim Alliance, agree that the figure is likely higher, but many instances go unreported because residents don't trust police. Still, we also know that people like you have been fighting against systemic racism by establishing systems to confront and suppress it, like the creation of Durham's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Division, so, could you speak to its creation last year and what it's been doing to support Black, Asian, and Muslim groups in particular since then?
0: Absolutely, it's a it's a good question. So when I when I became a counselor, you know, like one of the first things you do is like, what's my identity? You know, we we have um, Joanne dies in uh, War War Three in Ajax, and she's very much an environment, environmentally focused, so that was her mm-hmm. thing. And if you ask me, like when I first started, I thought I was going to be the tech guy. You know, I'm the youngest regional counselor. I have a lot of telecommunications technology background. I thought I'd be like the tech and innovation guy. And then, you know, like um, the George Floyd murder happens and all those other cases and BLM swells. And we had an instance where, you know, the mayor at the time, he only wanted to call it the anti-racism task force. And I Mm -hmm. I didn't think that was very true to what the direction needed to go. So it became, you know, I really fought for and, you know, calling it the anti-black racism task force. There was no political motivations behind it, except that it was just the right thing to do.
2: Mm -hmm. And
0: then from there, I, I realized that I have a once in a lifetime opportunity to make this kind of change. Yeah, I'm a first term counselor, but- let's say I don't ever get reelected, then I want to make sure that I can look at my kid in the eye and say, I tried to make things better for people who look like us. Mm-hmm. And so like, it, it goes about to, to the region now. It goes outwards where I'm just like, I'm one of three racialized counselors. And that's absolutely not reflective of the population. I'm not saying there has to be any sort of like uh, automatic parity or like minimums, but mm-hmm. three out of 28 is not an acceptable number when you think of all the diversity in Ajax or the region. So right. I, I realized I took it upon myself of just like okay, well, this is this is a big issue. It's affecting a lot of people. What can you do? So it was more like it was more like um, just this the small things I was able to do. When whenever the chief of police or the acting interim chief of police came and reported to regional council, I, I would be there questioning of just like what what are what what is our representation like on the force because it's very much a very white. Police force from the highest levels of office to um, you know the lower the 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 officers working the streets. Mm-hmm. We need our police officers to look like us to have experience like us. Otherwise, my predominantly black board is going to keep feeding me feedback saying, "Yeah, we get pulled over because I drive a nice car." And it's something you know, as a Chinese male, I'll never understand. Uh, sorry, as a Chinese male who doesn't have a nice car, will <sighs> never understand. But regardless, it's still a very valid point. I have to make sure I reflect that. So asking questions like that, asking questions like, "What are your takedown procedures? Can mm-hmm. we can we can we inc- in, uh, include more mental health training, more training?" So that was I was able to do that. And that. It expanded from the town and the region where I started questioning HR practices. Do we have a, a double blind system where we don't even see the name on the resume? Because mm-hmm. again, if I see you know, like a um, a clearly uh, Chinese name or a Chinese sounding name like Simu Lu, right? The guy mm-hmm. from Shang-Chi, or I see a name that may invoke a Middle Eastern background. People may have inherent biases they've never even confronted, except to say that, oh, that's not the type of person we want working at the region or at the town of Ajax.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: so little things like that eventually became... Uh, the the creation of our diversity equity inclusion division where we have a director Allison Hector Alexander who I can't stress enough is the most qualified woman I've ever met in my life like her pedigree is longer than my arm but that's exactly (laughs) who we need she reports directly to the CAO so there's no there's no um, middle managers or anything diluting the message and she's able to say this is what we need from there we're gonna we've We're in the process of creating, I think it comes to council this November of, you know, an anti-racism task force with its immediate focus on, you know, um, uh, black, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter and anti-black racism, because it's, and don't get me wrong, like it's, that's where the focus should be. And I I, I stress this, I'm, again, Asian Canadian, I I get, even I get the disparity in justice um, for, you know. My, the black citizens of the world versus everyone else. And I, the one thing I want to definitely uh, part upon your listeners is, you know, I use the analogy of, you know, a rising tide raises all ships. I'm tired of hearing people say, no, no, no it's a great message you guys are doing. But do you ever think you're really turning off a lot of people with your black focus? You know, like there's there's other people who've gone through. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like, you know? come on. Yeah, like I get there's been an up, uptick of anti-Asian hate, but that still pales in comparison uh, compared to black people getting murdered.
2: Right. And the I can't stress again.
0: Yeah. There is no discrimination Olympics of like, well, this person, uh, this group has been discriminated more. Ergo, like th- that's not how we should be looking at it. We should be looking at it as a collective whole. If any of us are getting hurt, if any of us are getting killed, then it ref- it hurts all of humanity. It hurts all racialized groups. So I, that's really a message I want people to really take back of just like if, you, if you're one of those people who think, oh, I don't, I don't get why we're so focused on these black issues and not on like Islamophobia. We're focused on all of it, you know, but we have one hose and we can only put out one fire at a time. But we're absolutely going to go to the fire that's burning the, the hardest right now because mm-hmm. that's where we can do the most good. That's where we can save the most amount of people. And, you know, sadly, that's what this is. You know, it's just like it's saving lives in the long term. And that's 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 where we should be headed. So it, it's I'm very proud to be part of this. I'm very proud that I was selected by um regional council to be the council representative on this task force. And it's something that, you know, in my time on council, I realized that it's something important enough that yeah, if if this is my calling, so to speak, if this is my um focus, then it's a very honorable, very needed focus to
2: have. Yes, yes, yes. And we're very happy that you're there and uh, uh, on the job focused to get progress in our region. And maybe we should have uh, Alison Hector Alexander on the show very soon, too. 100 percent. She's fantastic.
1: Congestion across Durham is pretty bad these days. It seems that the infrastructure was simply not built to handle us all. At the same time, we know that simply building new roads and highways isn't the answer, since it only leads to induced demand, which, for our listeners, is the name for what happens when increasing the supply of roads, lowers travel times, causing more people to drive, which eventually wipes out any previous time savings, but costing a lot of taxpayer money. So what is Durham Region going to do to address our congestion problems, Sterling?
0: Uh, it's a very good question, and it's it's there's no simple answer. So it's like I speak to our planners uh, at the region and at the town, you know, pretty regularly, and they're trying to plan for 20, 30 years out. But they're trying to plan from 20, 30 years out using the current lens that they have now. So whatever technology is available now, they can only look through that lens. Whereas we've seen over the past 20 years the 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 paradigm shifts in technology from rideshare to electric vehicles to autonomous vehicles. So it is a really interesting question of like we're asking our planners in a sense to be to look into their crystal balls and try and figure out what technology is going to be in 30 years and have it adequately reflect in your planning Mm -hmm. so you know like whitby already started with it they have um it's called the wave it's an autonomous shuttle service that you know they're they're just piloting out but that will absolutely be the wave of the future where Imagine, you know, we had a shuttle in each major subdivision, you know, centrally located, almost like you drop your kids off for school on a school bus, picks you up, it takes you to the go train. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden, I don't need that car anymore to just, you know, just to take me to the go train station where I then go to Toronto, right? right. And so that's hopefully the next bigger steps we'll be taking. On a much larger scale, though, I think elected officials, planners, we have to start Mm -hmm. looking at what a post-COVID economy looks like, too. Right, I think this past eighteen months, or I guess it's like it's been twenty months now. We already we've we've shown you don't need these office buildings necessarily for these small, medium, right. and large businesses. Like it's we right. can work from home as long as I have internet access and a computer, and we can find ways around that. So maybe the answer isn't um, you have to go to this centralized office location. Maybe it's we need to encourage more businesses to embrace this work at home model. Mm-hmm. I, I think what all the big tech companies did a survey and like resoundingly their staff are like, yeah, I'd prefer working at home. It means yep. I can take care of my kid if they're sick. It means I can do all this and I'll still get my work done, you know? And really I, I put it back to the companies of just like, you know, they're always going to be like, well, we don't know if the, the uh, workers will be as productive. Then that's on you, man. Like you, that's poor management as far as I'm concerned, right? Because sure realistically the ones that got it right are the ones who are doing this work at home. And I think that is, you know where the future is going
2: it's very similar to the labor market where uh, employers are saying there's no one there's there, we have a labor shortage no one wants to work well if you just pay people a little more i'm pretty sure people will want to and not even pay
0: like again what's the deal that is you quit your your boss not your job maybe we got to stop treating you know, people that flipper burgers like trash. Yeah. You know, I worked yep. at McDonald's one of my first jobs, and yeah, I was not treated with any sort of modicum of respect. I was treated like, yeah, eat in the back room. We don't want to see you eating in the main kitchen. You know, mm-hmm. you get fifteen. Everything's so regimented. I'm just like, I don't feel like a human being. I feel like a cog in a machine. Mm-hmm. And thankfully. This, this new worker revolution that we're seeing, you know, you're seeing the Kelloggs, uh, the John Deere, all these protests, people are realizing, I don't have to be treated like this, the power's back in our hands. And it is very, I'm um, I, I cautiously optimistic seeing this this movement, because again, yes, we should be paid what we're worth. And more importantly, we should be paid a living wage to do this kind of job.
2: I too am cautiously optimistic. Uh, jump into federal politics now. As you know, we just voted in Canada's 44th election, which resulted in a third minority government for Prime Minister Trudeau. Considering your personal values and your responsibilities as Ajax deputy mayor and Durham regional councillor, were you happy with the outcome of the election? Like, what what specific, you know, outcomes were you looking for, if any?
0: It's funny, like a lot of the... Um... The criticism you see about this election is like oh uh the seats were pretty much the same what a waste of money 600 million like, dollars sure and that's like <laughs> oh that's the price of democracy like it's there was no guarantee in a voting system that it has to necessarily change what if that's just the way it is like i that it was a very funny argument of just like oh i can't believe we voted yeah, we live in this world where I get a chance to vote, and like, that's literally that, that is such a privilege. That yeah, that's not that's not a knock on our system. That's actually we should be proud of the fact that we got you know the government didn't work out the way it wanted to. They called an election as is their right to do, mm-hmm. and yeah, we voted, and it kind of ended up a bit the same. So be it. That's that's just democracy. So like you know, in terms of that outcome, I didn't necessarily have. You know, like a, a preferred preferred outcome, majority minority. Like I think there's a lot of benefits that we're seeing in minority governments, yep. especially you know you know going specifically with the parties. The NDP will force the Liberals to adopt you know hopefully pharmacare right. and you know dental care and these these things that maybe the Liberals might not have done on their own. So whether I was happy with the outcome, I'm I'm happy that democracy works and that we mm-hmm. vote and we're, I'm still allowed to vote. That that is that is the win for me. In terms of policies, you guys mentioned my twelve-year career in telecommunications, and let me tell you, like we we are, this is the greatest scam of all. Like this insurance (coughs) is a big scam. Let's get that out of the way. I think scam number two is like telecommunications. We rely on yeah. I'm I'm going off now. (laughs) We rely on these these computers on our on our hips, and they they they're so important to us. And for the longest time. These three giants, and let's not be fooled about their sub brands. There's only three giants, right? They've they've dominated the market, and there's absolutely been like a degree of collusion, just yeah. like gas prices were I lower or I raised this price, and then all of a sudden the other two race, no one's competing for my business anymore. Right. I was at Rogers when there was the threat of Verizon coming into Canada, you know, buying up some spectrum and creating their own network. And oh man, I remember Rogers lobbied so hard. For that not to happen, oh, we're gonna lose jobs, we're gonna lose this. And I just realized no, what we needed was another major carrier to right. disrupt the space. Cause right now, with three companies, they don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. And this argument, oh, it's it's a nationwide network, it's gonna cost so much money, that's why the prices are I don't see prices in Russia, which is the largest country, like having to, you know, charge what? It's like it's like 120 bucks now for like twenty gigs of data. Or, or I Australia. can go like or Australia, I can go. I can go to the states and get like a prepaid SIM for like almost like half that cost. So there, that that is absolutely something I I want to see this government do is is just whether create you can create like um uh, virtual operators. I think they're called MVNOs, mm-hmm. and there's like um, multiple virtual network. Oper- I think there's an acronym there, but they they lease space from the carriers and then they just. They charge much cheaper rates for those services. That's what we need to see. But unfortunately, I think the last time I checked, the CRTC kind of kiboshed that. And now we're back to square one. Quickly, a very basic example is I remember the there's like there's like a wireless code that came out just as I was leaving Rogers. And it said, Oh, we're not gonna charge activation fees anymore. That's that's not where we go. So fine, no problem. They call it an administration fee. So they don't call it activation fee. And it went from thirty twenty-five to thirty-five. Now I think it's like forty-five or fifty dollars. And we we accept it because we have no choice. But think about that. I'm paying, ask I I want I want all your listeners, next time you upgrade your phone or activate a phone, ask what am I being charged this fifty dollars for? And I mm. swear to you, you will get a dozen different answers. And if Not that's the case, it means it's just a money grab. Yep. And last time I heard, tell us Bell Rogers, they weren't struggling for cash,
2: right? Nope, not at all. In fact, uh, well, we have Rogers right now in a a big battle to determine their future. And I'm sure I'm the first person in the world to say this, but it's, you know,
0: the (laughs) the, the show Succession started again. And we are (laughs) watching a (laughs) real-life Canadian Succession, and it's amazing. It is just... Mine. I
1: think Martha herself said that. Martha Rogers herself she said, did, it, yeah. "Like you know, forget Succession, watch this." <laughs> well, Martha,
0: better she better give me credit for my joke then, because I'm the first person <laughs> on the internet to make this joke. All right, trademark. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh um, uh... my. So we know that you were, well, at least we hope that you were really happy with at least one cabinet appointment, recently appointed House Leader Ajax MP Mark Holland. But what were your thoughts on other key cabinet appointments, particularly from the racialized or millennial demographics?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, um, you know, you said in the bio, not only did I work for Mark, he's one of my best friends. And it's, it's, I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for Mark and I owe everything mm. to him. And it was I just like on this first point, it, I'm so Proud and like it's, it's very rare that in a society these days we genuinely feel feel happy for someone else.
2: Mm-hmm. A lot of
0: times it's tainted by like oh, it should be me or you know there's there's that right. In this case, honestly, I I was just thrilled because like this brilliant man finally got his due, and it's a, such an important role where you're just kind of setting out the strategy for the government for the next two and a half three years, and this is the guy you want. He's the smartest guy I know, and it's it's long overdue so i'm very happy for that in terms of um you know like whether i was happy with the cabinet or not like i don't know for me like my federal interest goes as far as like mark holland to be very <laughs> honest <in> Durham, <laughs> i guess like i don't really follow because again i don't know these people so it's mm-hmm. weird for me to be like oh that's a bad cat like what's like who i'm i'm joe schmo you know like i mm-hmm. it's really weird to say that i was very happy to see um What was her name in Brampton, though? She's the Minister of Seniors. Uh, Kamal Kara. So it's just like she is 32 years old and is a minister of the Minister of Seniors. And that in itself is awesome. Like I think, I say our generation, I think I'm the next generation above, but let's just say ours for now. Our generation, like it's so easy to get like inundated, just like overwhelmed with the idea of politics being like, oh, I'll never be a politician. I know I felt that too, absolutely, until, you know, five years ago when I actually entered the political field. But mm-hmm. now, not, not only does she enter politics, now she's given a, a ministerial portfolio where she's in charge of something like, and she's only 32 years old. So if anything, if you're listening and you have an interest in politics, follow your dreams you know work hard follow your dreams cuz you too could be a minister and this was kind of, i think this was her first crack at it too and it took mark for example like 2004 to, like 17 years to get his first mm. ministerial it was her first try so i really just think like there's there's factors you can't control in life but if you want something go for it cuz pretty soon you could be an mp and then a minister at that
2: i like that perspective very uplifting actually <laughs> well on on climate change This week, we saw uh, PM Trudeau and 80 other world leaders commit to reducing methane emissions by 30% of 2020 levels by 2030. According to the federal government's official greenhouse gas inventory, methane accounts for 13% of Canada's greenhouse gas emissions. But recent studies say that figure could really be 33%. Are you concerned that the feds aren't doing enough? And what is Ajax, or Durham more broadly, doing on this file?
0: So your first question is like, do I think the federal government's doing enough? It's doing enough. Mm-hmm. And like the answer is no, until we shut down the, our, you know, subsidized oil sands or tar, remember we used to call them tar sands?
2: Tar and sands.
0: Some marketing company said, well, let's change it to oil sands. It'll be more palatable, <laughs> And we just accepted that. And so it's just like, <laughs> yeah, like it's, that's kind of the reality. And I understand there's going to be an absolutely a short term pain in provinces like Alberta that absolutely rely on that oil. But like, we're dealing with the fate of the planet. And I think it's, listen, Al Gore said it. Other people smarter than I have said it. But I think that's what, and I think it was reflected in the polls even of our generation. One of our biggest concerns was climate. You know, it's Mm -hmm. getting hotter. The hotter seasons are lasting longer. The cold seasons are shorter. Like it's it's messed up. And so the answer is the the federal government cannot do enough, Mm -hmm. right? But what our generation has to understand is, you know, things cost money. So it's just like, you may not get a tax break if that's what it means to preserve the environment. And it's very easy for me to say, you know, I, I'm a, I live a very privileged life and I own that. And I accept it. But there's probably some people struggling who, you know, changing the price of oil to a seventy $2 a liter could break them. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy to for me to sit on my ivory tower and be like, oh, everyone should just, you know, adopt green policies. But there is definitely a cost to it. So it's just like- I think I think Joe Biden at that conference was saying on on the one hand, we gotta reduce greenhouse Mm -hmm. emissions. And then on the literally the same sentence was like, but I need these, you know, our oil producing countries to ramp it up because there's a bit of an oil shortage.
1: Like in the same sentence,
0: he said that. Mm -hmm. So that's that just shows that you know, we as elected leaders have to look at the long term and the short term. But it's it involves setting the policies now so you have more of a runway. What is the region doing? Well, uh, at the town and the region. So the the town we actually got a bit of a shout out at that the COP26 climate conference cuz um we were one of the uh municipalities who signed on to pledge to zero or pledge to net zero and um so mayor miller actually uh, said ajax is a town. So like that's kind of cool in like in a global setting.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh
0: population 126,000 we get called out and that's great right so we are you know we declared a climate emergency we're we're part of the net zero um across the region municipalities i, I think whitby did it first you're setting um development standards on how buildings should be built mm. to ensure they are net zero by 2030 and so it's um or 20 mm. sorry i don't think that was early 2050 i think net zero is 2050 but yes.
2: mm-hmm.
0: regardless that's what we have to start doing set the policies now like i said planning is a 23 year endeavor we have to set all these policies now so that it's the growing pains uh, will be staggered in. instead of just like hitting you like a mallet uh, on one year but within 30 years hopefully we'll all have net zero buildings and hopefully we'll all have electric cars or cars running on hydrogen like that should be the goal and listen you know i i i, I did my part i feel like i my first car was a compact yaris then i got a prius so that was a hybrid and now i'm on a fully electric car and Because I know, like, for me, like, yeah, I I paid a premium for that, but I wanted to make sure that I was not viewed as a hypocrite of, you know, asking for climate change, you know, climate change measures and then driving a Ford F 150. Like, that's, that's, you know, that's, you got, you got to, you got to, you know, think globally, but act locally. So it's like, I do what I can. And I'm sure there's still more I can do 100%. I'm not, I'm not on some green cloud. You know, there's, I I have a lot of habits that I have to, to curtail, but anything I can do. Um, I will try to do. And an example is I'm trying to eat less beef. Like the cows and the methane those cows are producing. That's, That's destroying the environment.
2: Yeah, like 40%. As much as
0: I love steak, as much as I love hamburger, I have to make sacrifices. And it doesn't, again, I'm not saying I have to stop cut off red meat in one day, but maybe instead of if I eat seven hamburgers a week, which in my university days I absolutely did. But let's just say I cut that down to one hamburger a week. And so mm-hmm. those are the kind of measures we can all do.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm sure it also helps that steak is really expensive right now. <laughs> and and fattening, let me tell you. And I don't I don't need any more help on that front. COVID has, has, a, has a
0: ravaged my once uh, gorgeous body. <laughs> that is not true, by the way. i would never had a gorgeous body.
1: But... <laughs> so taking a look at provincial politics, Premier Doug Ford made A a bit, and and I do mean a bit of a splash this week, (laughs) by promising to boost the minimum wage to $15 in January from the the current $14.35. This includes servers and bar staff and other workers in the hospitality industry who currently have an even lower minimum wage of $12.55. This is progress for sure, but of course, if it weren't for Doug Ford, the minimum wage would have been $15 back in 2019. So it would have been over $16 today if we kept going on, on Wynn's plan. And in truth, we should be pushing for a regional living wage for $22 for the GTA. Why do you think Ford made this move, and how do you see it helping Ajax residents? Don't even get me started on this one, guys. (laughs) Because I remember, like, I'm sorry. Like, again, I'm not saying, listen,
0: 15 years of the provincial level government, people were ready for a change. I understand that. Mm -hmm. But the absolute vitriol that, like, Kathleen Wynne got and like this was one of her policies that she brought in. And I remember like fighting with so people on social media back when I fought on social media. Oh, this will ruin business. I can't believe it. And I now all there, of a sudden, yeah. yeah. When Ford does it, like it's it's he's the miracle worker. And oh my god, thank you for thinking of the word. Like, are you kidding me? Like, mm-hmm. how much did people hate Kathleen Wynn? That they're not even giving her credit for this. And this is now Great. Ford's thing. He's the one who cut it off, right? Like, so that that is very rich. I mean, your first question is, why did Ford make this move? Because there's an election in like eight <laughs> months or whatever, yeah. right? Like, let's not fool ourselves. Like, these are very much election promises. And you see them more on the provincial and federal level. Like, Municipally, I would love to be able to just spend money to get votes, but you know, because (laughs) municipalities can't run deficits. Like, if I do that, then property taxes go up, so it's like I can't do that. But like, of course, there's an election coming up, and if you're in Durham, I would bet every last dollar I have that we're gonna remove tolls in the four twelve before the election cycle begins. (laughs) Like, that's just I, I, I'm you're you're hearing it here first, but I guarantee that's gonna happen, right? Mm -hmm. So I guess like these are just election promises to get votes, but I think. I think again, millennials, I think the, the youth, they, they they really wised up. We saw um what happened with the the government's management of COVID. And so like I, I it hurt people, whether it was your education, it hurt, or you know, not looking at student debts. There was there's so many ways this government could have helped um millennials and it didn't. Yep. So how do I see it helping Ajax residents? Hey, at the end of the day, it's still more money in their pocket. So it's like I'm not gonna crap on that. I think Uh, businesses should have adapted to this. Like if you look at our overall wage increase over the years, we we, we should be much higher than 15. And if you didn't Mm -hmm. factor that into the creation of your business, then like that you guys should be factoring that into your creation of your business. (laughs) Yeah. There'll be wage hikes. Like that's, this shouldn't be a big shock to you. And more importantly, I hate like capital H hate Mm -hmm. the people who try to like say, Oh, well, I'm making minimum wage now, and I'm a manager. Well, does that mean they get paid the same as me? It's like, no. why aren't you? Why aren't you fighting? But it doesn't even matter. Like, why are you? Why is someone else's success a measure of you? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you should again. A, a, a rising tide raises all ships. Why are you trying to keep someone down to make yourself feel better? Right. If anything,
1: exactly.
0: we all want you, manager, to make more. Like, I, that's I, the way it works. But why? Uh, why are we taking the side of like, especially the corporations, these big corporations? We are taking their side? These nameless faces, faceless giant corporations, like we're trying to fight for them? That makes no sense to me, right? Whereas I know people making minimum wage. I made my first two jobs with Second Cup Coffee Co. and then McDonald's, and it was absolutely minimum wage, and it wasn't enough then, and I still don't think it's enough now. But at the end of the day, if it helps, you know, the people working in Ajax, great, that's a good thing. But I mm-hmm. hope to see it as the beginning of more, not just the the very basic bare minimum.
2: One hundred percent. I mean, uh, you, you spoke on uh, Ford making moves that Wynn made years prior, and she was hated for it. And now he's Superman, apparently. Um, I don't know, man. It's it's it's. There's something about this time where things are switching. But uh, staying on Ford for a moment, we, we talked sure. a bit about the direction that he's taking and what he did this week. Do Do you think it'll be enough? Do you think it'll be enough to win him the election next month, next year? <laughs> Man,
0: now you're asking me to look at my crystal ball. (laughs) Listen, first things first. If anyone's listening, vote. Like I'm tired of saying this, and it's just like I'm not even like an old man telling people to vote. I'm 40 years old, so it's just like just vote, and you'll have your say, and you get you get a chance. You know, it's easy to be disillusioned by politics. Just vote, all right? But do I think he'll win? I think he's leading in the polls right now. I think there's still a division between you know, the quote unquote left between the NDP and the liberals. Mm-hmm. I think it's much closer than it was pre-COVID. And so I think to a degree, what you'll see is, um, I imagine a lot of ABC voters, uh, Every any teacher can't be happy with what this government did. Any factory worker can't be happy with what this government did. Like we already talked about millennials and mm-hmm. the fact that we're not looking at student debt. We're not looking really like helping helping you. So I, I, I think he may win, but if he wins a minority hopefully we get a um a coalition between the NDP and the Liberals and we get him out of office you know i don't know the man personally you know i'm i'm told he's very affable but i it it blows Affaboy. my mind <laughs> <laughs> affable that's what i'll use but i'm told i'm told that like you know but just look at the the last election like i could not tell you a single platform right they did a leadership race at the very last minute after they you know they they took out patrick brown they didn't have a platform, yeah. Right? They I don't know what a single promise is. So, really, their expectations to be at the bottom because they didn't make any promises, and here we are. But can I honestly tell you what this government has done for me? Not really. They what? Um, buck a beer? I think there's like <laughs> one company left that does buck a beer. Um, I guess you know. To be fair, I, I think I can put my insurance on my phone now, yeah. Versus like showing a physical insurance slip. I mean, that is. <laughs> I'll be objective. That is a net positive for me. Great right but i'm really trying to like struggling to figure like and covid response is a big one like yeah. mm-hmm. i can't stress enough i had to do virtual learning with my kid who's four in jk because someone in his class had covid and i'm not i'm not, I'm not the four governments not responsible for covid mm-hmm. but we're in this spot where we are now because like we didn't take a harder measure back then right we waited until after christmas before we did the second or third lockdown i've lost track at this point and i'm just like that's not leadership man and even now the removal of restrictions we have a date so all these anti-vaxxers they're just like oh great i'm just gonna wait the clock out right and that's that's what you have done as this government and like we're telling you this is what you're doing and don't even get me started on the autism file
1: Mm. where i have
0: an entire like coalition of voters who who have talked to me and said, this government has made it so much harder to be a parent of an autistic child. And they already need the extra help. But instead, what are we prioritizing? What is it, Highway 413 or whatever that yep. thing is that nobody's asked for? Yep. that's gonna cut through all this green space. And yes, you know your listeners may be like, okay, well this guy's a partisan liberal. I'm really not, right? Like I, my, my liberalness goes as far as Mark Holland's my best friend, I'm gonna support him. And that's kind of it. But I'm definitely left leaning on a lot of issues. And unless I see it benefit me or the people I love, then I'm just like, it's not really helping. This trickle down economics, I think, from Reagan to now, it doesn't work. So let's stop looking after businesses and developers. Let's start looking after families and the people that need this.
2: Find a better way to do things. Absolutely.
0: Um. So yeah, I don't think I don't think he'll win. Uh, I I I think he'll even if he wins a minority, he has to win a majority in order to stay in power. Is my million million dollar guess. I, I and I personally don't think he'll be able to get that.
2: To be determined. To be
1: determined. To round out our chat on a positive note, uh, on McLean's 2021 ranking of the best communities in Canada, two Durham municipalities made the top 50 from a list of 415 municipalities. The Schwa, where I live, was number 34, and Ajax, number 44.
2: Damn, Whitby, where you at?
1: Yeah, sorry, Whitby. <laughs> Can you explain to us why you think that is?
0: All right. Well, this is the part where I shill for Ajax. But yeah. I mean, like, quite honestly, I'm, I'm very, I'm very proud to live in Ajax. I didn't grow up here. You know, I grew up in Markham, and at the time, it was a pretty decent mix between, like, you know, like um, uh, Asian, like Chinese, Asian, and like Caucasian. Mm-hmm. Right? It's about fifty fifty. But now, if you go to Markham, it's almost like ninety five percent, you know, Chinese. If you go to Brampton, it's ninety percent, you know, Indian, and mm-hmm. I truly love Ajax in that there's genuine diversity.
2: Yeah,
0: like you said, there's I think you said 23% South Asian, 17% you know um, black or Caribbean identified. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a giant Filipino population. We have a huge Mm -hmm. Muslim population. We have a huge like it's it's the it's the mosaic you keep talking about, and we we've maintained it. No one group has kind of taken dominance over the others, and that for me, like that's where I want my kid to grow up. So, I mean, the only benefit of virtual learning with my kid was I get to see his class for the first time, all the, all the faces. Hmm. I think there's one Caucasian kid. And it's not so much that I'm just like, oh, I don't want white kids in his, in his class, but I want him to be exposed to different perspectives, different points of views. I want him to know what Ramadan is, what Diwali is, right. um, yeah, I mean. you know, what Black History Month is, and all these different things, hearing it uh, from lived experience um because yeah i grew up very sheltered in markham i didn't understand it you know i most of my friends are black and but it's like and and i understood that culture to a degree but not to the point where my kid's gonna grow up just like living it by meeting Mm -hmm. different people tamil heritage month is in january and i can't wait to learn more about all these cultures and the histories of why these people came to canada and that's a really important lesson for me um Another reason of Ajax, I mentioned the food. And the irony is like uh, for food is we just don't have good Chinese food. And as the so you know, well. as it is. We have we have such <laughs> we have Afghan, we have Filipino, we got we got the whole gamut. But like I used to have to go to Scarborough for half decent Chinese food. But uh-huh. like yeah, I like the fact and again it's again, it's more reflective of the of the population on my first point of just like yeah, and it's people kinda like the fact that it's a smaller town, you know. But you know, my job as an elected official now is just I don't wanna just rest of my laurels is oh we're a small commuter town I still want to have an identity for ourselves mm-hmm. um, you know we just got an Amazon warehouse in my ward and so like I I'm, I'm torn you know like part of me I love the fact that it's gonna create a thousand jobs right but you know I'm sure you guys have covered this Amazon is not necessarily the greatest employer <laughs> Not the <laughs> known yeah. to man right now I know shocking to you guys right so but at, yeah but at the same time though, You know, a a major company investing like that, maybe we can leverage their expertise and their tech thing and create some sort of tech play in Ajax. So that when people look at Ajax, they don't just view small town. They're just like, oh, I, I, you know, from my background, I would love Ajax to be the tech capital of Durham. I think it's a lofty goal, but that's, as an elected official, what I'm trying to push in terms of vision. I don't want to just be stagnant. And I think you see it all the time. Towns just, Become stagnant. They stop growing, and then they fall back on this list of you know, municipalities. You know? mm-hmm. Waterloo is a good example. They, they had RIM there. They were booming. RIM left, but when they had RIM, they used that money correctly. And now they have a good, good transit system, a nice downtown. I think we need to start doing that. We have Amazon now. Can we leverage Amazon into more investment in our town, more growth in our town to make it a place where people want to go?
1: So stepping outside of just Ajax, how do you see Durham evolving over the next decade?
0: Very good question. I think you're starting to see it now. So I think one of the biggest knocks on Durham is that, you know, we're just a we're a blue collar region and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think now we're starting to see different municipalities claim an identity. So Clarington just got the hydro head office. So they're going to kind of be the, like at the nuclear capital of like Ontario, of Durham or Ontario. You know, Whitby has, you know, the, the lands north. They have a new casino. I'm not sure what their identity is. Like it doesn't like, you know, <laughs> But no, 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 ah! I, I couldn't think of it offhand, but I'm sure they're trying to work on some identity. Oshawa will always have automotive, but instead of like yeah. traditional combustible engine automotive, maybe we start looking at electric cars. So I think we're on the press. We're right on the edge of, becoming something new and the trick is we have to stop competing amongst ourselves uh, for that identity and what mm-hmm. i mean is you know toronto is always gonna be toronto they're always gonna get all the investment right mm-hmm. um but like york region for example you don't really hear markham knifing Newmarket in the back to get things they seem to have a very yeah. um symbiotic relationship and I'd, I'd love to see that for durham and that goes to the leadership right you have to let these old grudges die like oh i hate pickering because i'm from ajax like I, I i don't care about that stuff and I, i'm one of the newer counselors so that's it's easy for me to say but like yeah. who cares about those old world grudges like it, it really all i care about is does it benefit my residents does it benefit the town and if so then it's a good play and it doesn't matter if someone else wins you know or Whitby getting wave fantastic Hopefully within the next five years, Ajax will get their own version of Wave with Whippy having done all the kind of legwork and kind of figured out the kinks. So right. I we have to start promoting each other and supporting each other as a region. And, you know, hopefully that comes with a new new leadership, new ideas, fresh ideas. And you know, going back to your listeners, try being try running for politics, you know, like try it's it's not easy by any means. Like it's very much a one in a million shot, but we need these fresh voices at the table to uh, in conjunction with the, the, the stewardship of some of the uh, elder statesmen that have been there for a while. We need that combination. But right now what we're seeing at the region is it's very much a lot of the quote unquote old guard, mm-hmm. you know, most of the regional councillors there had two minimum two, three terms behind them. And, wow. you know, I was very lucky. I, I, I didn't even do local council. I was able to make a jump straight to regional council. And because of that, you know, I, I always view, like, I, I'm just very much a pessimist. So I'm like, oh, I'm probably <laughs> going to lose the next election. But now that I'm here, now that I have this short time and it's only four years here, I want to put my head high, try to do as much as I can so I can say to my kid, hey, you know, you'll never believe this. But for four years, I was, I was, I was a regional counselor for the region of Durham, and this is what I did. And mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of like what my legacy piece is, just making it better for my kid and my kid's kid.
2: You're making things better for sure. There's no question about that. Um, You know, Sterling, this has been really fun. We thank you for your support of Durham's Black and racialized community. And, of course, we look forward to your continued success, and we hope we can have you on the show again soon. What do you say?
0: Well, again, I don't want to have to wait 75 episodes. (laughs) Thank (laughs) you. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> hey, so, what like,
2: we were doing, we were making sure we fixed all the kinks to get you on the. I, next I have show, the receipts
0: you know? of all the DMs. So, I'm just like, <laughs> hey, that's uh it's Chinese New Year. Maybe you want me this one? No, no. Okay. Okay. Next one. Okay, one.
1: Like it's, it's, Chinese New Year. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like a
0: puppy. I'm a puppy trying to get on this thing. But um, no, it's, it's amazing. Like I, I, During COVID, I had like my own version of the podcast, which you guys were on. It was great. It's called Derm Unplugged. And it was just like, I like this format. And I like what you guys are doing. And you guys are doing the one thing I'm not doing. You have the one ability I don't have, and that's availability. You guys are bringing this out on a regular basis. And it's hard. It's so hard. I I quit. Do you know what I'm saying? So, you guys are doing all the right things. It's fantastic. I'm a big fan of both of you. And I'm just a big fan of what you guys are trying to achieve overall, of just like, you know, Durham, stop thinking of Durham. Whatever our listeners were, no matter where they live, stop thinking of Durham as that old Durham. We have these fresh voices, we have these fresh perspectives, and we're a lot more um, modern than you, then most people would think when they think of Durham region, and I think um, the two of you are very much reflective of that. So I just want to say thank you for what
2: you guys are doing. It's very important. Damn, we we're at the vanguard of modern uh, modernity. You hear that, patience? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Oh, I didn't say vanguard. To be fair,
0: you put that in there. <laughs> You guys are definitely doing good work. <laughs> definitely doing good work.
2: <laughs> yeah, I had to try to slide that in there. But thank you so much again. We we really appreciate the, the ongoing support. And we're fans of you too, obviously. We mentioned that in, Huge in, from fans. the jump. So uh, really, um, thank you. You've just listened to episode 75 of The Trip. We're releasing pods on a weekly basis. And for the next few weeks, we'll be speaking to leaders or Black counselors from Brampton, Ottawa, and more. So subscribe to stay up to
1: date. You can also keep up with us on our Instagram and through our Patreon pages dedicated to the podcast. Follow us or support us at The T O. You know, we love our many non-Black, non-BIPOC listeners. But a message specifically to our Black listeners? We hope that you know this is a safe space for you. So if you have any feedback or questions, feel free to slide in our DMs and let us know what's up.
2: We'd also like to give a special shout out to Toronto's very own Be On Location for the sounds you're hearing now. You can find more tracks from him wherever you get your music. Thanks again to Deputy Mayor Sterling Lee of Ajax, and see y'all next time.